The Last of Us Part 2 is announced this year at PSX, and we are talking about it. But first, we're talking about The Last of Us Part 1 and the grounded documentary that talks all about how that magic came together. Stay with us. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movie. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's video game movie anatomy. I kept waiting for it. You just want to listen I kept to waiting song. for it, right? I, I was like, I was waiting for it to hit. <laughs> what is up? Welcome to Video Game Anatomy. My name is Patrick Dees. I'm one of your hosts. I am joined, as always, by the lovely and talented Mrs. Stacy Shuttles. Hi, guys. I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. Shuttleworth. You can find me. That's okay. That's my Twitter handle. It's <laughs> I know. Stacey I was so excited about this, the Twitter handle. Sorry, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles or on Twitter and all over the web at Nerds Doing Stuff. Because I'm a nerd doing stuff. True story. You are a nerd doing stuff. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Pete at the D's and please tweet at us. We want to know this is a game and a movie that's very near and dear to our hearts, so we want to hear from you. We are sans Mark this week. It's just you and I. We are. Which, which is all right. If you ask me, I think you and I are the ones that uh, typically we are we are the long-winded ones. <laughs> I we got like plenty to talk about. We have a lot to say. Oh, this yeah. game is something magic, and the documentary is something really, really neat, too. It really is. It was a fun documentary. So it was a little, an interesting documentary. What, did you find it interesting? Mm. Well, so a little, little fun fact, a little behind, um, you know, I don't know, uh, inside baseball, if you will, um, you know, Mark wasn't going to be here this week. We scheduled this one a long time out. I said, he's like, Deez, would you mind kind of like opening us out? And I'm like, fuck it. We're talking about The Last of Us because I talk about it every week on this show regardless. Uh, Grounded, I think, is one of the more, uh, one of the most fascinating, I think, and inside and candid looks at, at, at the making of the video game, uh, making video games of what goes on in Naughty Dog and kind of how this all came together. So we had planned this, I don't know how, I mean, a month out, a month and a half Easily. out. Yeah. And then this week at PSX, they announced Last of Us Part 2, which was unbelievable. Timing. Right? Perfect. Look at this. I know. Just I, I feel like it was meant to be. We were it meant was. to talk about this. Um, yeah. Were you watching PSX Live, by the way? I, I did not catch that live. Okay. But I saw the uproar like as soon as it happened. <laughs> Threw me for a loop because that press conference opened, and we're gonna get to the documentary. Don't worry. Uh, so, but the press conference opened, and they opened with um, the the Uncharted game, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I think when there had been rumors, I heard rumors that we were actually gonna be having kind of a Last of Us Part Two. They opened with that Uncharted game, which took Last of Us off the board for me. There's no way Naughty Dog was gonna open and close that conference. <laughs> And, then, and yet, and yet, I know, <laughs> speechless. Uh, that was it was quite a quite a way to end it. Unfortunately, I think it is a ways off. We're stuck. I say stuck with. We get to play the. We're we're lucky enough to play The Last of Us again. We're lucky enough to kind of watch documentaries uh, like this again. Um, for those of you who've seen the show several times. We have a bit of a format. Sometimes we have like what we call the speed run. We have this back of the box quote, and we play some fun games uh, where we cast, where we talk about favorite lines. We're gonna take all that and throw it out the window. That is not the show. Uh, you, it's hard to do with a documentary. Uh, we've got other kind of segments, but more or less, I just kind of wanted to um, get a sense of let's talk about the last one. Let's talk about how this game <laughs> You've been waiting came to, to be. I have been. For a long time. Um, well, I know it, it sounds ridiculous, but we um, we end up. It's, I mean, it's contrary to my nature, right? Like, I like liking things. Um, people listen to Pixel by Pixel, you know, like, I'm generally up on most things. My co-host give me a lot of shit on that show. Like, oh, really? You like this game, too? Great. Your top top five at the end of the year is, like, 40 games. Uh, and so I genuinely like liking things. I think this game is in rarefied air. And, in fact, I think we'll, we'll – and we'll get to, to – I talk about games a lot. And when I talk about them, 
one of the things that I tell people as a grown ass man who plays a lot of video games and is spends a lot of time in the video game industry, I say that like there has been a renaissance in video game narrative. I think this is where like studios and 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 people are actually taking risks. And I think this is one of those things that I can kind of point to which is best in class in any medium regardless, be it, you know, mm-hmm. book, television, movie, game. I think this narrative is one of the more impactful things uh, that I've been able ever been able to experience. So I look for any excuse to talk about it on this show, that's for sure. It's kind of like the gold standard. I hold everything to. Um, before we get into the movie, talk to me a little bit about what your experience is with The Last of Us. How did you play it? Like, what was... How didn't you play it? I did not play it well. Okay. Um, so The Last of Us, I mean, I was into it from the moment I found out that it was going to be a thing. Sure. You know, I was like, all right, I'm getting this as soon as it comes out. I'm playing this. This is going to be great. This is like zombies, but not in sure. this kind of post-apocalyptic, like, which is totally my thing. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. And I start playing and it's like, no, you have to sneak. No, you have to keep <laughs> sneaking. No, you cannot run. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline out into the middle of the room and try to kill it, you are going to be instantly killed. Yeah. And it's not going to change the second time or the third time nope. or the fourth, fourth time. And you sneak through this entire game and I, I just can't do that. I, so you're not, you're not also, you're, no. I'm not much of a, a, a stealth gameplay. I think this game, luckily enough, offers enough <laughs> options that I can kind of force gump my way well, through it. But the pro- so, so I can't, and <clears throat> here's the thing, I don't mind stealth sometimes. Okay. I, I played half of Skyrim sneaking around the cities. All but right. I had the choice to sneak or to run in guns blazing or right. arrows sure. in this case. <laughs> um, and also, I'm pretty bad at aiming with like pistols and mm-hmm. gun. It just it does not work in any format for me. And this game's particularly, I don't want to say bad, but I think what it does, it does that like Joel is not an expert marks, marksman, and that's represented in the mechanics. Yeah. It Shaky, is, you don't have good aim. No. Just, oh, no. And it, it is literally in real life. I don't know if you've shot, have you shot a pistol before in real no, life? I can't not. hit anything yeah. from like eight feet. I don't feet. think I would be. You'd be to. relatively safe right here <laughs> if I had a pistol, <laughs> Stacey. Uh, yeah, and so uh, so it's reflected in the mechanics. So if you already yeah. don't feel really comfortable in kind of that third person, you know, cover mechanic. It was just embarrassing. And I can tell you the exact moment when I was just like, no, I'm done. I can't. Yeah, I can't. What was it? Where did you, you give up? So uh, pretty early on, too. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. So, so well, let me stop you there. Um, if you're watching this and you haven't played Last of Us and you haven't seen this documentary, please shut us off and go do both of those things. We are going to get a little spoilery uh, here today. I think we may keep some of it high level, but we may not. I mean, I think this this is a game that is about the ending. Um, it's about the last five minutes of the game, for sure. But a big mm-hmm. part of it is that journey. So... I think just if you're watching this, just heads up, we're going to jump into everything that is Last of Us. So with that being said, where in the game did you get stuck? So it's after you pick up Ellie and after you're traveling and you get to this grand museum as you're on your way to her drop off Mm -hmm. point. And it's where you're splitting off from Tess. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's you just you have to sneak through this giant museum and it's pretty open floor. Sure. So, what that means for me, especially the first few times, is I'm wandering around in circles. Okay. Because I have a terrible sense of direction at this point. Fair enough. 
And... In real life or just in this game? Oh, anywhere. Yeah, okay. You, you mean both. And there's in no both. GPS, weirdly but, enough, in this game. Yeah, no, totally. But gotcha. especially in this game. Fair this enough. Game, this game was, was not good. And so, like, I would take a step into a room, and all of a sudden, it would be like, you're dead. I'm like, what? Right. What? And violently. You're not just violently. dead. You're, like, super you dead. You watching yourself yeah, get torn apart. That is not like, a pretty picture. viciously. Yep. And so, I think I, I made it almost all the way through the museum. Okay. And I just like I just hit this point and I handed the the controller to to my husband. And I was like, yeah, no, you you play. I'm done. I can't do it. But, but at that point were you invested in the Joel and Ellie narrative? Like did you care about how it finished or where were you at that point yeah, when you finally I, just I handed was the controller? I'm still back? interested in watching the game, watching how it played out. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's it's obviously a very different experience not being the one behind the controller. Sure. But I did like to see the way their relationship evolved and just I mean the entire how the morals of that entire world worked yep. too was fascinating. Yep. So I absolutely wanted to keep knowing what happened. I just did not want to be the one sneaking through. I don't. I don't blame hours you. Hours of it, it. I think that even to some. I think something's a little lost if you're not. I think you literally could cut out most of the gameplay in this game, and it's unique in that sense. Mm-hmm. I think it serves a point, and I think it shows the levels of desperation in this world, and it definitely does some alleged world building in general. But mm-hmm. I literally, and I haven't done it, but I, I think you literally could watch just all of the cutscenes. I think they total three hours, and you get a very fleshed out arc mm-hmm. for these two That's how it goes so so this was on your radar early you were a naughty dog fan you were like a an uncharted Whoa. girl you like loved... uh, i go back to jack and Daxter. i'm sorry you're like right. representing like all no right. that's all right and, and in so the knew. documentary when they're like we were almost going to do jack and Daxter, i was like excuse me <laughs> yeah yeah you're <laughs> like on. oh wait oh wait i got this instead of a jack and Daxter. what <laughs> man so you were like, oh, so this was on your radar from kind of early on. Yes. It's interesting. Um, I was, I was an Xbox kid. I, uh, I didn't have a PlayStation. I felt like, okay. um, I know, which is unfathomable at this point. Like, uh, again, being, being a guy, like, again, I'm, 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 I'm console agnostic, but I think for a long time it really made sense just for me to have an Xbox. That's where my friends are. People ask me all the time, where do you play? Play where your friends are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a 360. I didn't have a PlayStation 3 at the time. Uh, when this came out, and my cousin who hosts Pixel by Pixel with me literally brought his console over to my house, dropped it on the floor. He'd finished it. He was day one. Like, I, again, marathoned it, finished it in like two, three days, brought me the console and said, just just play it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just And I never played at this point an Uncharted game, and we've gone on record about our love just for Naughty Dog and everything they do. Mm-hmm. Literally, I went in this game totally blind. Um, man, I am glad. <laughs> I tell you what. So I, I knew this was a big deal for me. When, do you know the, the opening? And if you, again, we're all spoilers here at this point. The opening where Joel loses his daughter. It's that first mm-hmm. 20 minutes, um, I think even before the actual uh, title screen, right? Yeah, like it just opens it up on that. Um, so I, uh, I don't know, 8 9 o'clock at night, I'd ordered some food, I started playing, and uh, I finished that, that section and was very rattled. And immediately my door, my doorbell rang. Um, <laughs> Birds Chicken, uh, if you're familiar with, shout out to Birds on Franklin. They, uh, the guy showed up and he's like, you know, whatever. He's seen me a uh, hundred times. I order a lot of food, okay? No judgment. <laughs> no um, judgment. Um, so I, I had ordered some food and um, so I had my headphones around my neck and he's like, what's going on, man? What are you, what are you playing? Like, you, you all right? And so I, I was like, just come inside. 
This guy's like, all right. So I literally sat the guy on my couch, started that whole section over. Dude was super late for the rest of his deliveries, but he just didn't care. He was like, again, because it's so like... So I had to relive that scene twice, which we'll get to again uh, later. But I knew it was something special when I couldn't... I needed somebody to share it with, like, right away, you know? So, uh, so yeah, immediately I was like, this is something special. It did. This game's something else. (laughs) Um, uh, So, very cool. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the actual documentary. Uh, We're talking about Grounded, um, the making of The Last of Us. Normally, this is the point in the show where we would go... We do our speed run. Uh, you and I decided not to do a speed run because there's no back of the box for this documentary. Particularly. We talked a little bit about, um, I don't know, maybe how would you pitch your friend? Like if you've got a video game fan who's a friend, like what do you what do you do to say to get them to watch this? Because I don't know that it's on a lot of people's radar. Like, did you know about it? or No, I didn't, honestly, until you started talking about yeah. it. And then I was like, oh, they made a documentary about that. Sure. Um, it's probably going to be pretty gritty and kind of talking about this really kind of dark world yeah uh so i think honestly the way i would sell it to anyone after watching it is the fact that you see this kind of horrific morally gray raw world come from such a tender and like loving place sure which was just all through the documentary Mm -hmm. was just how much like devotion and care was put into it absolutely I would watch that if you'd said that. Like, again, your pitch was successful. It worked. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think this is, um, I think my pitch would be to anybody who's interested in learning how stories come together and especially, you know, anything in this medium, all of the, to get an understanding of how all of it kind of comes together and how late it all comes together and the sacrifices that people make uh, to bring these experiences to us. I think... I think it's magic. I genuinely do. I know I'm this professional appreciator, but I just spoke at the beginning of the show. I, this is where people are telling interesting stories, and this is one of the most interesting kind of standalone stories, which we'll get to in a minute on the whole part two and how we feel about that. But All right. uh, that would be my pitch. Like, if you appreciate stories uh, or people who are passionate, who are uh, committed to excellence, watch this documentary. I'm would you watch that? I would watch right. that. And, I was worried. No, no, no. I don't know. I know that was absolutely true about this. I've never really seen a documentary that goes that like honestly into mm-hmm. what it takes and to what comes together and how. Sure. They, I mean, they kind of showcased every little corner of what you need to make this come together. Did you think that they portrayed the process honestly? Do you think they were candid in all of it? Because ostensibly it is a commercial for the game, right? Like right. if you think about it as a marketing piece, um, I'm sure Sony paid for this. Well, is how on, how honest did it feel to you? Uh, I mean, it was a little more happy-go-lucky, I think, mm-hmm. and especially since we did uh, indie the game recently, right? And there was a lot of despair yeah. in that, and I, I have you you know that happened. Mm-hmm. With this game, too. But they did not show it. Um, so I guess it kind of painted a little unrealistic of a exactly the experiences they probably felt. For sure. Well, so, and I think that's when I, so I almost called you in the middle of this. So I think the moment for me that I was like, this would have been in my controller toss if we kept that. So again, later on the show, we would normally talk about this moment in a video game movie where we're like, come on! We wing our controller across the desk. You don't do that in a documentary, except well, <laughs> when that guy literally looked straight in the camera and he looked at it and he said, oh, I love crunch. 
I love that sense when we're all here 16, 17 hours a day. I was like, there's no way. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, a lot of dev friends. <laughs> Nobody likes crunch. It, it is unfortunately part of the industry, but, like, uh, I think that was one of those. If I had a controller to throw, that's where I would be winging it. That'd be it. Oh, there was there was one great shot. Um, they were they were just kind of talking about generally com- animating and um, putting things together. Yeah. And you just see, and like, someone hard at work at their desk and just... Like seven or eight cups of coffee. I believe that lined up yep. on the desk, and someone dropping off a fresh one. Yeah, sure. It was just like, oh yeah, that's what they're in for right, right. now. That's what's happening there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that I'm is be... not all sunshine and rainbows. It wasn't, and it was a little dark too. When they were talking about that crunch, I think it was that weird juxtaposition. He was saying, "I love crunch. It's the best." And then they showed that woman sleeping at the office. That is nobody's idea of a good time. Oh, that was not the best. I've slept in an office. Nobody enjoys that. I'm just saying. I would have liked him to the guy. Goes, I would have liked him to say, "Crunch is terrible, and it, it makes for a dumpster fire of a work environment." But we put out an amazing game, so we're all happy. Like I would have preferred that. that. Makes sense. It's like okay, yeah. After the fact, you can say, "Yeah, right. that was cool. We got a lot of stuff done." Yep. Okay. During that time, you did not feel that way. Because because everybody's worked like crazy on something. I, I don't want to say everybody. That's a terrible generalization. But you know, like that sense of when you've worked and worked and worked and it all came together like there's a sense of satisfaction which you know you're kind of like all right that was part of the process i would have rather that Mm -hmm. i think um what did so we talked a little bit about again normally we would talk this would be like hey controller toss moment um we decided to go kind of through the things that were the coolest things that we learned so i'll open it with you like what are the things that you learned that you thought were like kind of the things that you didn't expect to learn when watching this that were kind of eye-opening well, one of the things that I thought was one of the, the more interesting things that they kind of got into uh, was, I mean, we all know that The Last of Us is based around kind of a fungal outbreak. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad we brought this. Yes, please. Uh, that yeah. that kind of comes in and starts infecting humanity. Yep. That, that evolves. Uh, and the... Kind of going in, I, I noticed throughout the game that there were definitely stages, but to have them kind of explain through those stages yep. and kind of you know, reinforce that it was a very well thought out kind of life cycle. Totally. So I, I totally agree. So two things. I want to throw that up in a minute. Is that up? I think it's probably up. So this is uh, what we're looking at is terrifying. This is my favorite thing to show at parties. <laughs> this is actually a tarantula notice. It's not, I'm not proud of that fact. I think I go to weird parties. This is a tarantula that's actually been infected with the cordyceps virus. And I think that is what's interesting. Neil Druckmann on the, on the, uh, on the show talks a little bit about how they saw on the, on, on planet, uh, planet life, planet earth, Earth. planet life is not a thing. (laughs) Uh, planet earth, how they watched that, how that cordyceps will actually infect an ant, control that ant to walk to the top of a tree, kind of explode. And then, uh, you know, pass down its spores to like spread spores all over the, the jungle below. Um, what I didn't realize was later that they have, that is they are moving up in the ecosystem and they are now controlling spiders. Terrifying. So I really That's loved terrifying. that they were that they'd spent that time and said, "Hey, look, we want to ground this in something that's like super real, and like take it one more step." And mm-hmm. how just how I, I'm going to keep coming back to that word it is the perfect word for this documentary, but grounded. Right when they yeah. were talking about how they wanted to keep it all organic and they were going through the noises. He wanted it to still have a mouthfeel, but mm-hmm. so they were like, again, all of it tried to be as, as real as possible. It wasn't some just, you know, made up virus in a lab or something. Right. That's terrifying. Oh. I'm looking up. It's, it's still, it's still terrifying. It is. It really is. I mean, as a tarantulas <laughs> alone weren't scary enough. Uh, 
now have it being controlled by some yeah. fungus that is that has started with ants and is now uh, terrifying. Spiders? Yeah. So, so you you think what was cool Trouble. was kind of the um the the life cycle of the virus, right? And they thought through mm-hmm. that, and that's how they differentiated the enemy types, right? I can get behind that. I like that, that kind of uh, insight. That's fun. Um, I think. I think I think so too. Um, I think we I've got several, so I want to keep okay. kind of going back and forth. <laughs> one of the things that for me, one of my favorite scenes in this whole thing was, and I'll go back to that opening scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Joel loses his daughter, and um, that scene got to me in a way that m- just most don't. Um, and I think part of that goes to a tremendous performance by Troy Baker, who's, um, I mean, I think. Pretty well known for being an incredibly capable actor. I and I would assert that Joel is far and away his most interesting and most powerful role. I can, yeah, I think I can see that. I mean, he's he, in everything, so he at some point, is, but that for one reason, really pushes it kind of to a different place. I think than he normally goes. And I think, yeah, I think one of the reasons I talk about this every this this game every week, and why uh, I end up kind of coming back to it, it becomes a touch point for me because. This, because Joel and Ellie aren't my favorite video game characters, but they are the two that I tend to think about the most. Like, wonder what they're up to. Like, what's next? And I know we'll, we'll get to kind of that part two in a minute. But that scene where Troy talks about how that scene where, where Joel loses his daughter and how it came together. And I thought that was fascinating. How they had this first amazing scene and he crushes it, or at least he mm-hmm. thought. Um, really just wept. And they show him. He's openly weeping. He's crying with his, his daughter. And... Felt like it was in the can. And they did five or six more takes, seven more takes, eight more takes. And then they came back and then, uh, you know, Neil had called him again and said, I need to do that scene again. And my favorite thing about it was uh, Troy's talking through it and his frustration with it. And at the end, he says that, like, this scene didn't work because of him. It worked in In spite of him. It was Mm -hmm. so, like, egoless, right? Like, it was so, it was was really humbling because I feel like a lot... Again, broad generalization, but a lot of times in these documentaries or these these insight pieces, they show actors, and it's actors kind of taking credit for like how well they did or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think Joel's um, it is an iconic performance, um, and I think that was just that was the type of thing that you want to turn to for this. Those in that inside baseball moment where I can see, oh, this this is how this actually came together. This mm-hmm. moving, moving scene. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a rough, rough scene to watch. Tough, and I mean the recording of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they juxtapose like oh the the actual scene over them and just yeah, it looks like a long day at work. I know I yeah, complain when I'm on too many conference calls. I am uh, <laughs> not having to deal with that. It's a lot of emotions to have to expel in one day. What else like stood up stood out for you as you were watching this? Mm. Like what took you by surprise? Took me by surprise. Uh, I there were a lot of things that surprised. No, me. yeah, I'm, for like, sure. Trying to like go through them. I mean. I, I can't really say the motion capture because that's not a surprise. I knew sure. about that, but just it's always just the depth of like how into it they get and how realistic they make it for the actors. Yeah, that's always kind of a yeah. They like really right go through, They're acting it out. They totally. are. They are the actors yep. there. So that's always a really fascinating thing to see in action. And, okay, so answer me this. So how do you think, um, I know we're not actors, um, but if you were 
like how do you feel like you would do in that like in that mocap studio with the the suit with the balls on and like do you think you'd be able to take that seriously at all i would be a huge ball of like self-consciousness yeah and horror and just, <laughs> i mean i <laughs> the acting is not in my wheelhouse sure to yeah yeah in with i mm-hmm. mean you act you asked me to like read a line like as an actor, Whitney, yeah, no, that's not happening. Right. I just, I don't have that capability. Um, I would feel really, really silly, I think. Yeah. And I don't know that I would be able to get past that. So tremendous respect for. I, I think, yeah, I think it would be, I think it would be very weird. Uh, have you, so have you ever acted in anything? I gotta ask. Okay, no. Not so much. I, uh, I was lucky enough to do cool. uh, one line in a pilot at one point. Um, I'm not an actor by trade. But they were very like, hey, you sure you got this? You got this. You sure you're good. You know, you're not an actor. You're good. I'm like, come on. It's a line. Like, I talk for a living. This shouldn't be that difficult. <laughs> got up. I was a bartender. My line was like, here's your drink, Sam. And I literally went, you're the best, Sam. And I was like, it's <laughs> one line. It was one line. They're like, nope, cut. And the amount of people that have to reset when you <laughs> fuck up one line. It's just like, okay, new guy. It was great. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, it was great. Crushed it. My one, I was real good. Anyway, so I have a profound appreciation for uh, for what they did and really bringing these characters to life. Um, I actually, I wanted to ask you this. Um, it's one of those things I really dug too. And again, that that comes back to a theme of this whole documentary. But like, Naughty Dog seems to be like a a group of like egoless self starters who are really committed to excellence uh, above kind of even personal recognition. And I think the other person who kind of embodied that in this was the the woman who was designing the UI. Do you remember this section? Oh my gosh! What did you think? That was it was interesting. Yeah, right? that was really interesting to think about because again, one of those things you don't really think about. No, you don't expect like to be taken through, and you don't expect them to show it in a documentary. No, nope. I mean that's not one of those things that are traditionally interesting right. to see on screen. And so the fact that yeah, talk about one of like probably the most underappreciated jobs you could be doing because totally. no one's like well man i'm really glad that they worked this ui out right. for us right you know, she says it too about it. she says it she's <laughs> like if, if, if i'm doing my job from a ui perspective nobody even notices and i was like again just no ego whatsoever and yet the fact yeah that i mean that was probably countless hours but countless cups of coffee for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we can count all seven at least that just afternoon easily uh, look at i love the fact that she she took a moment to show us one that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And again, I actually, if I had one ask for this documentary, it probably would be, it would be really interesting to see all the character designs and even like story beats that they threw away. Like that, I think would yeah. be really cool. I like seeing that kind of stuff. Me too. Like just how you got to the point that you're at, right? where it came from. So yeah, juxtaposing kind of something that didn't work. Yes. It's fun. Because, and maybe, because maybe at the end, um, Again, this game is about the end and uh, Joel rescuing Ellie from the Fireflies um, and her asking, you know, about what happened. Right. And Joel kind of misrepresenting what happened. I'm trying to I'm trying to stay as spoilers. (laughs) He's just so magic. If you haven't played this and you're watching it, please look in the mirror and and get get your shit together and then go play Last of Us. No, but like that game, the the end is about. This game is about that, the end. And it would be interesting to see if, like, at one point they flirted with, maybe there's a choice. Or, you know, one of those types of insights Mm -hmm. I think would have been really, really interesting. But to circle back to her UI piece, I loved that she said, hey, here's one that didn't work, and here's why. And again, it just came back to, like, how cool. Because she showed 
a moment where she's running out, she looks to craft, and from a mm-hmm. timing perspective, it just wasn't fun and it caused panic around your the, the mm-hmm. AI. And I thought that was just so cool. Like how many countless the iterations of UI did before that, that was that magic sweet spot. Right. How yeah, how far do you have to go to kind of I mean imagine how many times do you have to run that? Right. Like, okay, just adjust it a little bit this way and you know, we gotta do this just a little bit and pull you know do this instead and gets (laughs) yeah no i i I can't even fathom it it's just so i think that's what's so cool about this documentary though too there's so many like okay we're looking at one little vertical slice that is ui and we can't fathom that and that how does that fit into what is the narrative arc and then what is the animation and then what is the sound design and all of that comes together in this Mm -hmm. concert that creates this just like again i know i'm biased but like an unparalleled experience i think it all it's such a vision, and I think I think anybody, com- I think composers on their own are kind of magic, and I think mm-hmm. writers on their own are kind of magic, and people who can bring all of those mediums together and have it be all of those things and interactive, it's incredible to me. Like, this is real magic as far as, yep. and technology, right, big tech nerd, right? Like, it's all of these things. Am I just, I'm just, no, um, you're, you're, go, go. <laughs> you know, you're, I just, I'm passionate about it, but I want to, yeah. am I on my own on that? Is that no, like, it was no, as interesting for all. you? It was, it was fascinating. Um, I think another thing kind of jumping off the UI, like the really little details when they went into the lighting effects yes. and the shadows yep. and like bouncing mm-hmm. the freaking light that you see on a lo- on the walls when you're flashing a flashlight, just these crazy tiny things. And things that don't always get, you know, like light bounce and like subdermal, I'm going to definitely mess this up, but subdermal refraction, right? Where light passes yeah. through the skin and then bounces back. It's one of those things that you don't really notice, but then you, you absolutely do when it's there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So nobody would have faulted them if they did. They had light bounce. Because which the, the, they actually show her panning with a flashlight. She hits a red, a red object and then light bounces back off of that. And it's a gradient of that red. And like ninety percent of games, especially when this came out, nobody was doing that kind of light bounce. Just bright yellow beam. It's, yeah, it's That's bright and got. it bounces back. It's it is just Sick. white bouncing off, and it colors the room based on where you're actually pointing that light. And I thought that mm-hmm. was also it's that next level of excellence that really illustrates that Naughty Dog just are some of the best developers in the entire world. I agree. So, yeah, I thought the lighting was really cool. Together. I'm a big lighting nerd, so <laughs> um, but hey, but it had spent a lot of time with that. I actually really uh, I really liked hearing how the music came together and how they found, um, I'm going to definitely butcher his name. Um, Santo Lalala. That's not even close. Quite. Not even close. Uh, but how they found, you know, um, he'd said that, um, Neil Druckmann had said that they had this folder, right? This running mm-hmm. folder of, of so, like songs. And they found that like, increasingly it was just that guy in, in the doc, in the, like, well, we need a composer anyway. Mm-hmm. And loved knowing that, because I think the music is so iconic. When I think of this game, I often think back on the sounds uh, from this game, especially the score. Mm-hmm. And that literally they kind of just said, hey, here are the beats we're trying to hit. They showed him that opening scene in the documentary and said, go, go compose something that's totally consistent with what we just showed you. And that's crazy to me. No? No, it yeah. is. I like... <laughs> I don't know, but music is another thing that is really hit or miss with me. Yeah, <laughs> Just fair as enough. far as like I have a terrible ear for music, mm-hmm. so it's magic. It to is me. totally. It's, it's just sheer magic to be like, wow, you, you like made all that noise happen, and it sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Um, 
let's i know we're we're running a little bit lean on time and i definitely want to get to um kind of our thoughts and hopes mm-hmm. for um for part two i want to see is there anything else that you you learned in the, like when and when watching this was surprising anything else that was just like really stood out for you in this documentary uh, well one thing to touch on i mean all the research that went into obviously with the fungus that they found mm-hmm. to turn into a human disease but also uh they went kind of in depth into looking into what would happen to the earth if humans were not there to, yeah. you know, push it back yep. and how they really took that to heart yes. and adapted that in their landscape sure. and in their settings yep. and how it was not just like, oh yeah, you know, in, in 20 years, the world would be a little grown over. Right. It was, no, this is what would happen and here is why these things would happen. I loved that too. Yeah. What, do you, what, do you, what was the term? He said, um, like it was cities reclaimed. Right. Mm-hmm. The nature was reclaiming those cities. And I thought that was and the amount of work that goes into that on a daily basis to beat back vegetation. And I just one of those things you yeah. don't think about. <laughs> it's like you're right. People mm-hmm. go through huge lengths. Totally. To keep things looking, you know, trimmed mm-hmm. and, and the way like civil civilized, I guess. Yeah. In the way that we want it. And they, they do nail that aesthetic throughout the course of the game. It feels so lived in. And I know authentic mm-hmm. is hard when it's like this post-apocalyptic world, but it feels lived in and like reclaimed and and um, haunting in a way that like uh, clearly they spend a lot of time paying attention to. Mm-hmm. God, there's so many really good <laughs> moments in this game. Um, I think the last thing I, that, I, uh, that I wanted to mention uh, around this documentary, which I was really intrigued just about their process as a whole because they are literally heads and shoulders above everybody else. I think it's CD Projekt Red, the guys that did uh, The Witcher from a narrative perspective, and then it's Naughty Dog and everybody else. It's just, those two are in a rarefied air. And so I was interested to hear their process. And one of the things I found fascinating, and I don't know who said it in the documentary, but somebody said that they they have just um, like a, a level org chart and they're open criticism, right? You can criticize oh, yeah. everybody, right? And that idea of candor generating speed, right? I can just be mm-hmm. candid. This doesn't work. Let's get through it and move on is something that like, I feel like a lot of corporate cultures say and very few do. And they clearly like eat, sleep and breathe of that, you know? Yeah, that was that was cool. They they were like, yeah, you know what we don't want. Someone else was saying like right when they were talking about that, it was like, yeah, if it's bad, you tell them it's bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's like just no and you know, no hurt feelings, no nothing like that. It's just like you work past it. Let's rip the band-aid yeah. off. Let's get <laughs> like all right. Um, yep. Yeah, what do you say? Like, you feel hurt for a minute, but you get on with it, and then you go and you just deliver the best damn video games of all time. And you, yeah, and do something better and uh, go. So, like, I, again, this game, this game is literally the, well, it's not literally the only, uh, I probably played two or three games um, start to finish twice in my whole life. I'm usually newest, latest, best. Whatever comes mm-hmm. out, that's typically what I want to be playing. Last of Us is the only, the only few games that I've ever gone start to finish through multiple times. At one point, I had said, like a, like a book, like mm-hmm. favorite books, I was just going to revisit it once a year. I think it's a little bit heavy to do that. Definitely intend to play it again at some point. It's an intense uh, reread. <laughs> it's a lot. But I will say, um, going through it a second time um, is kind of magic. And I know this sounds cliche, and I've used that word magic several times. But there's so many beats that you don't pick up on until you've actually finished this whole story like a lot of times early on, there are um, a lot of times when when Joel and Ellie are still kind of finding out their footing, and even when mm-hmm. Tess is still there, when Ellie will give him shit or start to joke with him a little bit, Joel touches his watch, which is something that at the very beginning of the game, Joel his daughter mm-hmm. gives him that watch, and it's cracked, but he won't take it off. And like, again, she even references the fact that your watch is cracked uh, during the course of it. There's just mm-hmm. so many little beats that like stick out once you know how this whole endgame plays out. 
It's a masterpiece. It is an unmitigated masterpiece. Which brings me to part two. Stacy. I really want to know how you feel Ms. about Shuttlesworth. this. Miss Shuttlesworth. Not Shuttles. Shuttlesworth. So I'm conflicted. Look, I've been wanting yes. this for a long time. And even before they announced it, I was weirdly in my head about it. Obviously, this okay. is a property is near and dear to my heart. I wanted more from Joel and Ellie, but I kind of didn't. It's one of those perfect intellectual properties that had a, an amazing arc and there was no need to do anything else with it. It was so self-contained. It was so... So I'm interested in revisiting that world. I'm revisiting... Mm-hmm. To see, I want to hear more stories from Neil and Bruce and in that world and maybe something equally as compelling. I didn't think that we needed more Joel and Ellie until I saw them. <laughs> until I saw them and again. Then you were there. I'm like, hey, Joel, how you been, buddy? I missed you. <laughs> Uh, so, so were you watching PSX Live when this? You, I no. asked you that you weren't. I thought um, after the fact. When when you saw when you saw the trailer, uh, what did you think? Uh, it was beautiful. It is. It, <laughs> it is. is um, and it was really interesting because it was kind of a decided shift mm-hmm. in you know how it you know how their kind of morals worked in the game yep. a little bit. So it's. We got a lot of time to fill in for, and a lot of really. I, I mean, there's hopefully going to be an incredibly interesting story to tell there as to what got us to that point. Yeah. Well, and I and think where that we're was going from there. Well, that was interesting too because Neil Neil Druckmann did a PSX panel, and one of the things that he said in the panel was he said, "Hey, look, trust us. We were very concerned about coming back and visiting Joel and Ellie, and if it wasn't the story that we wanted to tell." We wouldn't be doing that with them. But this world is so intrinsically tied to Joel and Ellie and their relationship. Mm-hmm. They felt that they had a lot more story to tell. And I kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt. See that? And I think they've handled <coughs> it with such care. I, I I believe that they wouldn't go back just... I mean, and yeah, I think it's pretty clear they're not going back just to do it. Right. You know, or for money or for anything like that. It really does... It must be a compelling story that they've got. It doesn't feel like a cash grab, right? Like, obviously, this is what is a magnitude more successful at this point than any Uncharted game had been. So clearly, they were going to make something else in that universe. What that was, I don't, you know, obviously. <laughs> well, now we know a little bit. Right. So you saw that. Very the, little bit. <laughs> very little bit. And they said that we're still very, very early on. Mm-hmm. We saw the trailer. Um, tell me, like, what was going on. Like, what did you think? You, you thought the trailer was beautiful. What do you hope kind of comes of this story? What do you want out of this? See, I'm not sure because I've seen I've seen now a couple different theories. Like have whether you? I have. All right. Um, there's a couple. I guess there's a really this one I think is is the more popular one, where um, you know we see the firefly symbol. Yep. As we're coming into their their little like area where uh, something happened. Like yep. they've been hunting them, trying to hunt down Joel and Ellie, and so they've kind of turned it around and made this like a firefly haven and are luring them in. Yep. And that's why she kind of seems so at home right there. <sighs> it's dark. <laughs> um, I mean, there's also, I don't know. See, I, another, another one. I, and I think people really go for like the, Oh, they've been separated and he's finding her again. I don't like though. You know, I, I don't go for that. Uh, kind of. no, I don't, I don't think that works or would work for their, particular relationship so they've said a couple things they've said some interesting things so they've said that you play as ellie Mm -hmm. which is awesome so they've aged her up a little bit right this is several years later she's i don't know 19 20 years old looks like in this trailer she's playing guitar and one of the things they do they show her hand kind of shaking aggressively at the beginning and then she calms down 
and then she plays this very haunting song over some dead bodies with a with a head wound just yeah. bleeding everywhere. Listen, that's a problem. And then Joel kind of walks in from this um, from outside, mm-hmm. um, and I thought. From that trailer, one of the tone piece, the tone they were trying to establish is Joel's no longer with us. That I think Joel's dead. I yes, so that was definitely one of my earlier thoughts too. Um, and, and, and this was all happening in her head, kind of. She all, broke a little. All, all of what was happening in your in your estimation, the body. No, is, no, 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 Joel being Joel. there. Joel so, being there. So I totally agree with that. I think, and it kills me to say because I really always want to know what Joel's up to, and I think that makes uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing to think about because how does this then how does that translate to gameplay, right? Because if Joel's mm-hmm. dead, is he does he stay with her as a figment of her imagination through the course of the game? Because it wouldn't make sense to play as Ellie and have Joel be the AI running around, this other big dude running around. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know how that translates to gameplay. I don't. Uh, well, it's I'm, weird because he steps in and he walks in and he says, "Like I want to do my Joel impression. It's terrible." But he says, "You know, like what are you doing, kiddo?" And in and in The Last of Us, it's always over-the-shoulder, back-and-forth shots between the two. But mm-hmm. it, they kind of put Joel in the corner of the screen, and they don't veer off of him. They literally stay focused on her. We never see his face. To me, it felt like he's clearly dead, and she is going to kill every last one of them, meaning the Fireflies, probably because they killed Joel, because he did some terrible things to rescue her. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's... It's a pretty convincing read of that trailer, uh, especially with kind of the casual, the casual like question he walks in with. It's more almost like a self introspection. Totally. Like, oh my, like, what's going on here? Not, not really a reasonable like coming from an another party. Well, and I think the other thing, like, obviously she's she's dealing with some shit, right? Like, and if Joel's dead. And if she is dressed as, which somebody pointed this out to me, she's dressed as Riley from the mm-hmm. Left Behind DLC, her partner in in that. Um, so kind of her first love when she's kind of exploring her sexuality. And Joel, the only person she that, I mean, has really cared for and looked out for her forever. I think it's, we have an opportunity to see something really, really special. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of wrapping up, uh, Neil Druckmann said again in that panel that if the first one was about love, that this is a game about hate. And... I, for one, am impossibly excited about The Last of Us Part Two. Are you kidding me? But yeah, well, in that trailer, set up a lot of, a lot of uh, hate fueled violence. It sure be, did. To be had. It sure did. It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we are running a little bit lean on time. Uh, typically, this is a point in the show where we uh, give something an extra life or a game over. I'll ask you about this. Do we want to see more kind of game documentaries or was this kind of good? Was this for like what you want to see? More for The Last of Us specifically? Just in or general. Just in general? About... Uh, I think it's always interesting to see kind of yep. behind the scenes. I think it's fun. And I do think that every um, different franchise will have its own unique kind of story to tell and way of looking at it. Yeah. So we can see different things every time. I'm all to see more more what? Naughty Dog. It's an extra life from both of us then. <laughs> Fair enough. Listen, thank you so much for joining me. I know uh, we miss you, Mark. Come back, Mr. Donica. He's out doing some very, very... He's just gone rogue. Maybe one day he can tell us about it. It's a little, little inside. 
He's seeing Star Wars, guys. He's seeing Star Wars. If you didn't catch that joke, we're not jealous or anything. We have got no, fine. not at all, fine. not at all. But so fine, we got to talk about one hell of a game. Stacy, where True. can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles, or on Twitter, Instagram, and all over the web at Nerds Doing Stuff, where I will continue being a nerd doing stuff. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining me. You can find me uh, on Twitter at P to the D's. I want to hear about. Uh, your thoughts kind of on Last of Us. God, this is beautiful. It's so good. Um, I also um, i am a co-owner of a company called the Project Franchise. We're a technology company. We started the first fan-run football team. We're kicking off in February 2017. Find us at projectfranchise.com. As always, you can join us here every couple of weeks here at uh, the Popcorn Talk Network uh, where we talk about uh, video game movies. So join us in two more weeks when we're doing what we're doing yet. We are. I think our next one up is going to be Assassin's Creed, isn't it? That's coming oh. out. <laughs> All right, so either way, we'll, we will let you know on Twitter. Thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, go watch Grounded, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.